This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, May 19th, 2013. Bloom, sowing more. Well, good morning, Connection Church. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Well, my name is Lori Brown. I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection. Will you pray with me, please? Lord God, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for life, abundant life that is found only in you. Lord, right now, just be with us, each one of us here, Lord. Open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, everything, so that we can fully receive all that you have for us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today we continue our series on bloom. We started the series two weeks ago as we discussed sowing seed. We made some distinctions about the type of seeds there are, and we made some distinctions about the types of soils and how to nurture the kingdom seeds that are planted within us and in those around us. Today we're going to focus on sowing more seed. For us to truly make a difference in our families, our local communities, our schools, and our workplaces, we need to sow more seed. So Jesus commanded us, the church, in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, in the Great Commission, which says, Then Jesus came to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So you must go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. Well, the only way we're going to fully live this out is if we sow some more kingdom seeds. In the United Methodist Church, which we are a part of, as you saw during the video, this is part of Change the World Weekend. In the U.S. and other countries around the world, there were thousands of outreach projects going on, sowing kingdom seeds this weekend with the sole focus to change the world. They range from helping to feed those who are hungry to helping reducing and stomp out malaria, like we played a part in yesterday, to various other projects to make sure we have clean, people have clean drinking water around the globe. It can also be to provide affordable housing, education, and so many other acts of kindness that share God's love in a practical way in our community and in our world. Paul, in a second letter to the church in Corinth. He wrote some words that are important for us to hear when it comes to sowing more seed. Here, they were preparing to take an offering that would be sent to Jerusalem to help the poor directly in that city. Paul encourages them to sow more seed. He says, remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Read the rest of it with me. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Amen. So Paul begins by saying, remember this. Remember this. He's reminding them of a biblical principle that was as true for the church in Corinth as it is for each of us today. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we're going to reap generously. It certainly makes sense. The quantity of seeds that we plant is proportional to the harvest we reap. Now, Paul is reminding them of this biblical principle because it's countercultural to the way the majority of people live. We give lip service to the saying. It's much easier for us to say it than it is to actually put it into practice. For example, a couple of weeks ago, Alan and Carrie mentioned that according to a research group, there's an estimated two billion, two billion Christians in the world. Now that's a lot of believers. That's a lot of seed that's been sowed and planted, that's in the process of blooming into fully mature Christ followers. So the question that popped in my head when I heard this was with that many Christians around the world, why does the world not look more like Jesus? Why does the world, why isn't the world more transformed? Why are there still so many people starving around the world? Why is there so much violence? Why are there so many people dying of malaria? Why are there so many unchurched people in our communities? Why don't we see more fruit of the Spirit seeds? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, here's the problem, one of the problems. As part of our human condition, we are by nature stingy. It's one of the reasons we sow sparingly. Even many who believe in God and claim Jesus to be their Savior are stingy. I think that we have a lot of stealth Christians that live in the world. Hopefully not here at Connection. We don't want to let go of what we have because we fear we might need it someday. We live with a scarcity mentality that tells us we need to keep, hold on to, and hoard everything we get. We're even stingy with other things, things like our time, our kindness, our love, our forgiveness, our faith. Now, if we look under the surface at our human condition, 
It's our scarcity mentality that tells us we're never going to have enough and we're never going to be enough. And that activates our flesh, our stingy behavior. So last week we looked at Galatians chapter 6. And we read that whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So read the rest of it with me. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now notice it says all people, not just the people we like, not just the people who are kind to us, not just the people who think the same way we think. So stinginess is one of the seeds that are sown to please the flesh. Now another reason we sow sparingly is because sometimes the particular need, whatever it is, it just seems so great that we can't even fathom or imagine how we can possibly make a difference. We fall into the trap of being overwhelmed. We become confronted by the enormity of a problem, and instead of tackling it, we become resigned. Sometimes we do nothing or little at all, little at all. The bottom line is we sow sparingly. We think our tiny contribution won't even scratch the surface or make a difference, so we just don't do it. We become deceived by the enemy. The truth is, when it comes to the Imagine No More Malaria campaign, whether we give $10, $100, $1,000, $10,000 or more, or anywhere in between, we have made a difference. Just ask the one family who received a treated net that a single $10 contribution made possible. In that case, it could mean the difference of life and death for a family. So Paul cont continues in verse 7. He tells them, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver. Absolutely, God loves a cheerful giver. Now notice that it says, what you have decided in your heart, not what you've decided in your head. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us through our hearts and our minds. The enemy speaks to us through our head, our flesh, which, as we already mentioned, is stingy by nature. So in addition to our flesh being stingy, it's also self-serving and a host of all other kinds of ugly uh, things. This is completely contrary to the spirit of truth that lives in us as believers. So here's a quick illustration regarding the head and the heart. Now, I love to drive alone in my car. It's a time where I can worship God, I can sing songs, or I can just turn the radio off and be in silence while I'm kind of talking to God. Now, many times while I'm driving, during that time, God speaks to my heart. 
So one day I was driving recently. I was thinking about a video I had watched from the Imagine No More Malaria global campaign to eradicate malaria from the planet. My heart cried out when I learned the facts about malaria. Every 60 seconds, it used to be every 30 seconds, every 60 seconds somebody dies from malaria around the world. That's 655,000 people a year. High concentrations of those live in Africa, and according to the CDC, many of them are women and children. Now that fact broke my heart. While I was driving, I had a dollar amount that was impressed in my heart. And as soon as that dollar amount popped in my heart, right, my head was like, oh my gosh, that's way too much. <laughs> Maybe a tenth of that would be good. Then I told Dave how much was on my heart to give. <laughs> and his eyes got big, and he didn't even say a word, but I could tell he was thinking, uh-uh. So after some discussion, not reluctantly or under compulsion, we decided to give from our hearts, following the Spirit of God, not from our heads, following our flesh. Now when we give from the heart, it feels good. Can you think of a time when you've given from your heart? It feels good, doesn't it? It really does. Nothing better than that. Now when we give from the flesh, it doesn't feel good. I don't know if you've ever given from the flesh and you've given and I was like, that didn't feel good. We end up with resentment, second-guessing ourselves, and we have these negative emotions with it. Now, I certainly confess, I have given reluctantly and under compulsion in the past. But let's be clear, it's not how God wants us to give. When we give reluctantly or under compulsion, we're not freely giving. It's more like we're giving because we have to out of guilt or we do it because we feel like we're being pressured to. Or maybe we do it out of selfish reasons, our own pride and motives that want us to get something in return. Now if that's how, when we, if that's how we feel when we give, we're actually better off not giving, really. Like don't do it. When we feel like that, we need to like hit a pause button. You know how like Staples has that easy button? Well, we need to hit a pause button when we feel that way. We need to take the matter to God, and we need to decide in our heart, not our head, whether we're going to give or not give. And whatever it is, it's okay. And when we give, as directed from our hearts, the scripture tells us, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, say this with me, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Forever. That's a long time. Now notice, the scripture does not say, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you want. No, it doesn't say that. It says having all that you need, 
you will abound in every good work. The longer I'm a Christian, the more I understand that less is actually more. I'm more content when I have what I need, not necessarily what I want. So when God blesses us, it's always for the purpose of blessing others. As the scripture says, so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we can abound in every good work. Blessing brings responsibility. So say that with me. Blessing brings responsibility. This is another biblical principle that's been around since the beginning. Abraham, through the kingdom seeds that were planted in him, he believed by faith, and God blessed him and his descendants so that they would be a blessing to all nations, and we share in that blessing. The scripture continues in 2 Corinthians, where it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way, say the rest with me, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So God is the one who supplies seed to the sower, to us. God will supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your and our righteousness. Now again, we're being enriched so that we can be generous to others on every occasion that's placed before us. This, the generosity seeds that we sow into other people's lives will then result in thanksgiving to God. So that means that a treated mosquito net that protects a family from malaria on the other side of the world will result in thanksgiving to God. That's pretty cool. Very cool. So in this biblical principle that Paul spoke to the church in Corinth, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously, he uses the example of giving money to the poor. This principle applies equally well to other things. For example, whoever sows love sparingly will reap love sparingly. Whoever sows forgiveness sparingly will reap forgiveness sparingly. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. So generosity seeds are not all financial, are they? How many of you have benefited from the generosity of others at some point in your life? I would hope every single hand would go up that you could think of a time. Maybe it was somebody being generous with their time, their kindness, their forgiveness, their love, or someone who was generous with you in their listening when you were having a really bad day and needed someone to hear you. Generosity seeds can spring up and grow everywhere. Just imagine what that could look like. Just imagine if each day we asked God to show us opportunities where we could be 
generous with our time, our resources, our love, our encouragement, our listening, the sharing of our faith. It could be something as buying a cup of coffee for a friend or even a complete stranger. It could also be something like calling that friend or that person that's been on your heart that you haven't reached out to yet, just picking up the phone and doing it. We have multiple opportunities every day to be generous with people. The question is, is will you listen to your heart and step into them and seize the moment? So earlier I mentioned there's two billion believers around the world. Just imagine if each one of those believers, every single one, took on the challenge to do just that. Generously sow kingdom of God seeds every day. Seeds of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Kingdom seeds that connect people with Jesus and the life he offers. That's what we're called to do, Connection Church. Each one of us, and guess what? It starts with you. It starts with me. One person at a time, taking on the challenge. It's great to be a believer, but it's even better to put our faith in action and be a follower of Christ. Let's be Christ followers who take, seriously take on the commands found in Scripture to love God and love our neighbor as ourself. And to do that, we're going to have to do what? Sow some more seed. Absolutely. So let's live it. Let's believe it. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for today. We thank you for life that's found in you, abundant life. Lord, I thank you for each person that is here today. We lift up the concerns that are on everybody's hearts, Lord, because we know that as in the song that we sang before the, the message began, you go before us, you're behind us, you're all around us. You are with us everywhere we go. Lord, as we go, help us open our hearts and minds to those opportunities to be generous with the people we encounter in our everyday life. Help us make the difference in somebody's life by sowing your kingdom seeds. Give us strength and courage, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.